Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 402. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rakeshaw. Hey Kevin. Hey, hi. Yeah, this week on the show we'll be taking a look at the revenge thriller Violation, which is currently streaming on Shudder. Also be going over what we've been watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. The only bit of housekeeping I have this week is that the new episode of Say by the 90s dropped at the end of the week last week. So if you haven't given that a listen yet, be sure to do so. Uh, Ken picked up a HBO Max subscription, so we framed the whole episode around Ken's HBO Max subscription. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Like he, he told me, like he me- he messaged me, and I and I apologize if you already listened to me tell this an- or Ken tell this anecdote on the show, but he messaged me and he was like, "Hey, I got a an HBO Max subscription for at least a month. So if there's anything for this for this month that you want to cover that might be on there, I can I can watch it." And I was like, "Well, why don't we just do the whole episode about you getting HBO Max?" <laughs> so. <laughs> So we watched uh, we watched Point Break, we did yes. we did uh, Swingers, we did Blade, and we did Bowfinger. Yes. So it was a it was a really good time, uh, man. Revisiting Blade was an absolute blast. And Ken, not only did he never see Blade before, but he didn't know anything about Blade. Like he just he had. Wow. <laughs> it somehow eluded him so he knew very little going into it like he knew ba- very basic things and he he was blown away yeah that's wonderful yep I did also I did not know Bowfinger was in the 90s yeah I mean, 99 but nine, still yeah 99 it, it doesn't it, yeah it doesn't really feel like a 90s movie it, it does feel would, newer than that I would never have guessed that movie doesn't really it's not great Eddie Murphy is so good as Jif in it though the the character with the braces the adult braces oh my god anyway yeah be sure to check that out Uh, it'll be available on wherever you get your podcasts say by the 90s Uh, before we get into our review this week i do want to sort of tack on a a warning a content warning at the beginning of this because we are this movie does deal with some pretty serious subject matter and i just want to get that out up front that um we are going to be discussing themes of uh sexual violence in this review I want to try to avoid spoilers, but I, I think it's going to be really difficult to do that in this movie just because there's it's sort of a slow burn and there's a lot of buildup. So really, the most of the stuff that's worth talking about would be considered spoilers, I believe. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to see how the uh, conversation progresses. But uh, if you don't want to hear us talking about some really difficult subject matter. Maybe just, you know, look at the time code, skip ahead to when we uh, go into the watch just list. Do, just do something else. Just turn it off. 
Good don't don't turn it off. Just skip ahead to the watch list. <laughs> don't turn it off. Uh, okay, so we're talking about Violation. This is directed by Dust, Dusty Mancinelli and Madeline Sims Fuhr. I have a synopsis here. A troubled woman on the edge of divorce returns home to her younger sister after years apart. But when her sister and brother-in-law betray her trust... She embarks on a vicious crusade of revenge. So you have your, um, you know, your, your, your kind of typical rape revenge movie here. Uh, Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of Violation? Uh, this one, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is a movie wherein, like, it, it's a good movie. I think I, I am confident in saying that, but it's also a movie that I think that you could present me with an argument of it being a bad movie or an argument of it being a good movie. And I would probably agree with you either way. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, like I'm in the middle and I'm just, I'm so easily swayed by this. Uh, uh, one of the things, the main thing I think that gets me with movies like this and their ilk is we see so many of these movies now in the last couple of years with this rape revenge film. And it's always kind of presented or sold as like, oh, it flips the whole rape revenge genre on its head, like completely dis just completely different than anything you've ever seen. And I'm always like, for some reason, I'm always like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But like, they never do. Like, they never even come close. And I just, and again, it's not necessarily the movie's fault. I think it's more so the marketing. You know, you're trying to sell this. So I get that. And I should just not pay attention to that whatsoever. But for whatever reason, I always get sucked in by that. And I don't know why, because I don't really care about rape revenge movies to begin with. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see or read anything about this. So I, I, I knew that it was probably going to be a rape revenge movie just looking at the title and reading the synopsis so i had a suspicion that that's what it was going to be but i didn't really read anything about it being anything different so i guess i i didn't really have that expectation going into it but i agree with you in that like yeah a lot of a lot of these types of movies are like it's you know they they claim to bring something new to new or different to the table. And at the end of the day, it's all, it's the, the same stuff. I think that like a movie like revenge is the pinnacle of the rape revenge movie. I, I, I think I said this back when revenge came out that we don't need another rape revenge movie because I think that this, that movie like puts a period on the whole thing. Like we don't, we don't need any more of them. That's because that's the end. But uh, you know, I think I think movies like um, uh, Promising Young Woman they kind of put a they th- that movie did put a new spin on it, and I think that a movie like that, you know, see, seeing violations so closely to when I saw Promising Young Woman, I mean, it's been there's been a span of months, but at the same time, with movies that deal with this kind of subject matter, I feel like like one a year is my my limit. Um, yeah. I think that 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 movie does has has more to say, but I think that this movie 
has it, it does have have its own voice. And I think that there's some interesting things that get explored here. I like the, I think visually it's quite good. I think that technically it's a, it's a very good looking movie. Oh, yeah. I think that it's very well shot. I think it's very well directed. Uh, I think that the performances are solid across the board. Um, and I like the way that they handled certain aspects of it. There's some really difficult scenes in this movie. There, there is a, a sexual assault that happens. Uh, first of all, I like the, the situation in and of itself. Not to say I like it, but I like that it, this specific type of situation is represented because you don't, you don't see that a lot in this. In, yeah. In movies. I was going to say that. That was the one defining feature about this movie that, that made it distinctive is that the, the sexual violence, the sexual assault that's the center of this is something that you don't really see in movies. This isn't, this isn't what you normally see where it's like a violent attack. Know, yeah. You know? A violent attack and you know, it's vicious, it's, you know, and then she's got to get her revenge. Like the revenge part is still there, but the, the sexual assault is not, yeah, and you know, I, I, like equally as violent as the revenge is. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I think that the fact that one of the, the co-directors of this film is a woman, I think that that goes a long way to exploring the, the nuance of what an event like that can do to someone and how, how it can affect them and how the other person involved, like doesn't even like, he's too stupid to realize what he's done. And I think that, uh, more movies should explore that. Like it's not always just like a violent attack. You know, there's a lot, there's, there are more nuanced things that, that happen in real life. And, um, you know, I was thinking like during this whole thing and this, this is not, has nothing to do with like the movie as a criticism or anything. But I was thinking to myself, like, you know, you, you always see these rape revenge movies in it, and they're always like empowering and all of this stuff. But like, there's almost never a rape revenge in real life. You know, like there's ne- well, yeah. there's almost I never mean, a revenge portion of it in real life, and it just no, made me sad. Because, no, because the majority of it is just like a, a male fantasy. Yeah, you know that, that like, and that's the thing that's slightly unfortunate about this movie is that it goes that route where like okay i i understand that like the the rape portion of this is different than other movies but like the the revenge portion of the movie is pretty much like everything else that you've ever seen really and it and it lifts directly because it's super fucked up but it lifts to like directly from a shakespeare play just about so which is really disturbing, really fucked up. Yeah. But again, um, it it goes down that path of like the male fantasy of like just absolutely fucked up revenge. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it should be noted that the the director of of this film, Madeline Sims Fuhr, uh, she she stars in this movie as well, and she also directed. Not one, not two, but four other movies that deal with sexual assault or like dark sex fantasies and stuff like that. So this mm. is definitely something it's it's definitely familiar territory 
for her to to deal with this uh this kind of subject matter so i think i think that all of that was tackled in a very non-exploitative way i think that it it was handled very well uh at the end of the day it is just another rape revenge movie so just know that going into it i didn't really think that it brought much more to the table and i didn't think that it necessarily brought much more to the conversation other than what we had already talked about with it being a little bit more of a nuanced um situation i like the what happens with the sister i think that that's really important to represent in a movie like this as well um and I want to come back. I mean, we have to talk about the violence in this movie um, because it is, you know, if you've listened to this show, you'll know that I'm like, I'm, I'm the horror movie guy. Like I, I always, I watch every horror movie. I love them. Uh, so I don't get squeamish when it comes to horror movies. Typically I don't mind blood and guts and gore and all of that stuff. But the level of, it's not like that. This is a a particularly violent movie yeah, throughout. Not, it's, it's not a gore fest. No, it's like literally two, like two scenes. Like we'll say two scenes that happen. One in particular that is so like I don't want to say jarring because you know that it's happening. Like you know that it's going to happen, but when but it is so brutally realistic that. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you could probably show that scene to someone who, like, maybe is a bit naive, and they would think that it's like, or, or, it's or, or yeah, or better yet, you, what you could do is like put a filter over it, you know, like a like some Adobe Premiere like VHS filter or something, and someone would could easily think that it was real because it, it looks so real that I I was shocked. Like, it's it's an absolutely shocking scene. And then there's yeah. another scene that happens very shortly after that that to me looked equally real. And like I, some of the best prosthetics, like slash makeup effects that I've seen in a very long time. Like, I mean, it blew me away at how real it looked. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me is like the technical aspects of this is that I will, I will say it's a good movie because of those technical aspects. But again, like you could easily convince me that this is not a good movie. And I'd be like, yeah, I see your point. But those, those two things in particular, because the first one that you're talking about uh, is really just, it's disgusting. Like my heart rate. increased. Like I could feel my heart rate increase when that happened. Like just the whole scene. I was just like, I was yeah, very affected by it. And, that, and it's and, so rare that that happens to me. And it's, 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 it, it's a it's a two pronged thing. First is the whole setup of that sequence, and in a sense that they, before you learn what the the sexual assault is, you essentially get it from the point of view, or like a retelling from the perpetrator, which I thought was interesting, and it you know it comes across as you know very naive. You know, it's it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but you know that something's going on that that that's not. That that's not the whole the whole story, you know what I mean? Uh, so the like the the structure of it, I, I found interesting. And then 
the way in which that they shoot that is a it's super realistic just incredibly so i'm pretty sure that guy's just dead like they murdered someone for this movie and second is the choice to like her reaction to it and like kind of forcing you to have almost the same reaction yeah because i wanted to yeah i wanted to very badly but i didn't have protective stuff on my floor but it was close it was close i had to mute it i i could yeah i i had a really difficult time with it like I, I, I'm not, I'm not some wuss when it comes to this either. But it is just, man, it is so intense and rightfully so. I mean, it's, it's. I, I don't think it's an undeserved scene or anything like that. I mean, it's an incredibly powerful and um, very, um, very uh, provocative scene in a lot of ways. But yeah, whew, it is really, really intense. Yes. I did like uh, just to touch on what you had already mentioned. The I liked the nonlinear structure of it. How we start at one point and then we go and fill the pieces in as as it progresses. Yeah. I liked that too. I just read going back to the the actual the visuals. Um, this all takes place in this sort of mountain cabin area. I like the location. I like the the feeling of like sort of being in the forest and like the rain coming through on the trees and like moss and all of that stuff. And they, they do lots of close-up shots in this. Like everything's pulled in really, really close uh, to characters and like bugs and animals. And like, I think that there's lots of symbolism with like spiders and like the, the wolf or coyote or whatever that was eating the rabbit and that that type of thing. I liked all of I, I liked all of that. I thought that that all looked quite good. Yeah, yeah, and I like like I said, and I agree that I that I found the the structure interesting. It was at first I gotta say super confusing. Like I did, there was right, just yeah. like a split second where we were at a certain point and then we're at a different point, and I was just like, "What did did I accidentally like?" skip ahead yeah i was i was like skip on the so i actually had to like rewind because i'm like i'm pretty sure i fucked this up somehow (laughs) uh somehow i fucked up watching a movie (laughs) getting play on a movie no i i was also i was also confused with it um especially because you're like when did when did this occur like when did she have time to do this and then also like be with her sister and like how much time has passed and like, where does it all fall? Cause they were, yes. there were, there was also supposed to be like guests arriving. Right. So yeah, there, there was a lot of like weird stuff going on there with that. And then, uh, so, so yeah, I was initially confused too, before you, know, you, you figure it out as, as you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that the, the whole um, storyline with her and her, deteriorating relationship with her husband. Uh, I think that maybe that did help with setting things up and, and sort of creating her state of mind for all of this. But I also felt like I I wanted a little bit more with their relationship. Like I, I just really didn't think there was enough there. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting because you read the synopsis of a trouble woman on the edge of divorce 
I didn't know. I didn't know that they were married. Like, I don't know if I missed that. I, I didn't know they were married either. I, I don't know if it ever says that. I, like, I they did I, not seem like a married couple. No, I didn't think they were married. Like that until I read the synopsis, I did not think they were married. So, yeah, I thought that was really the only thing that was kind of lacking. Yeah, but I, it's not a big deal. I didn't think no. it you know, really necessarily, you know, ruined a movie for me by any means. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But yeah. Uh, so I. I will. I will give Violation a light recommend um i just think it's really important that you understand what you're in for when when viewing it i will say that the actual scene that's that sparks all of this all of the you know everything that happens later on i think that the way they shot that too keeping with this sort of super close-up style uh was very effective it is again not your typical sequence that we've seen in a lot of these other movies uh it's softer yeah, it's, it, it's like softer but it's still difficult it, um and, and without trying like i'm trying to describe this without uh spoiling that is that it does a good job of visually representing like kind of her mind state or yeah. her like where she's at you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i i don't I want to be careful not to give too much. Yeah, I, I think that it was a the way that they did it was really smart and and extremely effective. So it's there's a lot of things I think that I can understand where you're coming from, Kevin. Where you say like if someone comes to you with the argument that this is not a very good movie, like I I could understand that as well. But I think that when you look at sort of the sum of all of the its parts. It yeah. it all adds up to to being a a really kind of powerful experience and what I mean it's it's a movie that I'm definitely not going to be forgetting anytime soon that's for sure yeah and it just like it went to a different level of fucked upness at the end that because I was I was kind of thinking I'm like I'm pretty sure that that's what I think it is and then they kind of you know they come back to it at the end where she's kind of like surveilling. You know, looking out at all the guests eating their ice cream, and I'm just like, "Ah, okay, yeah, that's gotcha, gotcha." See what you're going for. I I also had so many questions. I had so many questions about her and her background because, like, she knows what exactly what to do every step of the way. Yeah, and. and I think that's the thing that kind of comes back to like the the male fantasy part of this is where she's like, if I'm taking this at face value, uh, either a this woman has done this she's numerous done it before, times before, yeah. she's a pro, she's a goddamn pro, or b this is the first time, but she's been thinking about it for like twenty twenty five years, you know, doing a lot of research dry runs yeah i mean she knew exactly what to do every step of the way she she had a like like the the tie all the tide bottles and everything like she knew she knew what was going on but yeah but they did allude to her being a little i don't know if possessive is the word overly protective of her sister i guess but yeah. there was like some sort of uh, a conversation that they had earlier earlier on in the film 
about it. And and again, I will reiterate that this is a bit of a slow burn. There's it's not like action wall to wall or anything like that. But I think that that they they do the slow burn very very well in this too. And I think that the fact that it is sort of a non-linear structure, I think that that helps with it because it allows for you to have some of those more intriguing pieces that happen towards the end sprinkled in throughout as we're, you know, building up to that, that big crescendo. Yeah. So, uh, violation, uh, let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, I'm kind of sitting in around a six on this one. Kind of thinking like a, like a, like a 5.5. I, and I think that that's the thing that gets me is the, the revenge part of this. I think so much of this film is good. And then the revenge part is just, it's just, you know, you've seen it before. Not necessarily exactly what happens here, but just like the, the violence of it. It just feels disconnected from the rest of the movie mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. If you want to see Violation, it is available on Shutter right now. So if you have Shutter, it is available on there. I will say that, like as far as the Shutter originals, this is definitely up there as one of the higher quality ones. I think I think some of the Shutter originals have been okay, but nothing is. I, I feel like this one is is definitely a step above, like quality wise. Yeah. The, the production values on this are yeah quite. Even for being a you know it being a pretty small independent movie, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous film. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I saw a ton of stuff because we oh. we, we were off last week, and th- then uh, South by Southwest happened. So I'm not going to go over everything that I saw at South by Southwest. I think I'll just highlight some of the notable things. Uh, I guess I'll I'll start off with that. Um, the let's see. The Spine of Night is one that that I feel like people should keep a keep a lookout for. Uh, this is directed by Philip Gallat and Morgan Galen King, and it's an animated film, rotoscoped, hand rotoscoped, and it is a dark fantasy that features a this sort of shaman woman who has to basically take down this kind of evil scholar guy who acquires these plants that were uh-huh. grown from the corpse of a god and give yeah. people godlike abilities. Yes. So you can do different shit with these plants. So you can like crumble them up and smoke them or just eat them straight or rub them on you or like chew them up and spit them out in your hands like a little salve like a little salve you want to fuck around with some plants yeah it's these blue plants and they do all kinds of shit like they can do so much stuff i mean they they can like pretty much turn you into a god and there's this like small tribe that's been using them to like heal the sick and stuff like that um and this scholar when he finds and and they're also using it to sort of keep the swamp alive like the mother the mother swamp it's a it's a pretty big kind of sprawling fantasy epic and it's awesome like it's an hour and a half long but they pack so much into it world building is on another level here i loved the world building there's like all of these different like 
tribes and factions and there's these like people that wear these like wing suits and stuff and then there's this um sort of this because it jumps forward like hundreds of years in time so then like later on it's they're almost in this like it's almost a steampunk kind of world and it's it's really good um the voices are done by richard e grant lucy lawless pat oswald uh joe mangelian manginello uh larry fessenden is in there too of course yes (laughs) yes it's uh definitely definitely keep an eye out for this there's no way that this is not going to get picked up because i think that it's way too unique and uh, oh yeah it's it's uber violent too like super ultra violent like people getting split in half and like crazy crazy levels of gore and violence in this too but uh, highly recommend the Spine of Night. So keep an eye out for that one. Wowza! Uh, I watched I Care a Lot by Jay Blakeson. So this is you know the movie with Rosamund Pike, mm-hmm. where she like you know I heard I heard a little bit about this movie uh, in the sense that it's odd that this movie takes a kind of positions her as like someone fighting back and maybe can be seen as the hero of the story, but she is, uh, her character is like cartoonishly evil. She is just unbelievably evil, just an awful person inside and out. And she plays her that way. So it's a weird thing to have her kind of at the center being this just atrocious individual. And she kind of gets mixed up in her in her her scheming of taking advantage of the elderly. She takes advantage of the wrong old person, which is Peter Dinklage's mom. And he's a part of or like former Russian mafia or something like he faked his death or something. And he's hiding. I don't know how Peter Dinklage hides. Like, it seems like if you're in the Russian mafia. And you fake your death, but you're Peter Dinklage. I think people would find out about that. Mm. Mm-hmm. But either way, they kind of go toe to toe, and they like Blakeson tries to. I mean, he really goes for it and trying to make this like this like uh, female empowering movie where like she's outwitting Peter Dinklage. And winning at every turn. But also, you got to keep in mind that she's an awful, terrible, terrible person. Just like 200, 500 times worse than Peter Dinklage. And I don't even know what Peter Dinklage has done in this, in this world as, you know, being a part of the Russian mafia. I don't know some of the, I'm sure he did some bad things, but I don't think any of those things could come close to what Roseman Pike does continuously throughout this movie and i was just really concerned with like where it was headed uh and like how it was going to end but at the same time i kind of appreciate it because i was like this is honestly deeply fucked up because you just have two villains going at it and there's no one good at all it's just awful people all around except that the one villain and i, I guess i say it with air quotes peter dinklage like he's not really that bad of a guy, but you know he's your kind of archetypal, you know, 
villain, you know, Russian mafia, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But man, this this thing goes to some unexpected places, does some things. I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. I don't. It's a fucked up movie. Yeah, I've uh, I've, I've read a lot of like divisive things. Like it seems like everybody's sort of divided on this there, one. There, there, it does end a certain way that is odd in that I was really happy that it ended that way, and I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Take that. Uh, it also ends with a DJ sat- Shadow song, which Ooh. I did not guess that. Nice. <laughs> did not that. Almost the whole song. Just like, wow. Okay. Which album? Uh, Private Press. Oh. Blood cool. on, I think it's Blood on the Motorway. Is that the name of the song? Mm-hmm. It's not the song with Latif. It's the song that comes after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with the piano and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love so that song. It's, yeah, it's such a great song. Fucking incredible. So I don't know if that's clouding my judgment too, because it's just like, yeah, I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Extra star. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, that's that's on Netflix, so I care a lot. There's it, just a quick thing. At the beginning, she's kind of like introducing herself and what she does. And she's talking about how she cares about things. And I wanted so desperately for her to say, I care a lot, but she doesn't. Oh, missed opportunity. Exactly. Right there. I I saw Jacob's Wife. This is uh, directed by Travis Stevens. Uh, Travis Stevens has been on this podcast before. He also directed Girl on the Third Floor, which just came out a couple years ago in uh, 2019. I thought that was okay. This one, uh, I think, is... uh, significantly better now travis stevens if you're not familiar he's a a pretty excellent producer he's produced a a shitload of really great horror movies and and genre films and uh he just recently started to direct his own uh films and this is his i believe it's his second feature uh it stars barbara crampton and larry fessenden so yes you gotta i mean right off the bat that should be enough for you to be like, all right, just uh-huh. sign me up. It's a vampire movie uh, also. So essentially what it's about is uh, Fessenden plays a minister and Barbara Crampton plays his wife. And she's, she's, she's wanting a, a little bit of excitement. She's getting bored in her, her current life. Uh, she does it. It's not a not a great marriage. It's a, it's a very kind of bland, typical marriage, and uh, she ends up meeting up with this guy uh, who she hasn't seen in many years, and they they meet in this like warehouse where they're like working on a deal, like a some kind of real estate deal or something. And turns out there's a bunch of vampires in there, and she gets or at least one vampire. And she gets bit, and she turns into a vampire, and. Uh, it's great. It's it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy. So I think that it does both. It straddles the line very well. It it's not overly silly. Uh, it it almost feels like a, like a fright night or one of these movies where it, it it it's a modern movie, but it has a lot of classic kind of eighties style, you know, horror horror uh, tropes in it. So I really liked that. Um, 
It is uh, very bloody, like rivers of blood, blood geysers, lots of blood yes. geysers in this movie. Um, some of it, some of it's, you know, great. There's a lot of really solid practical effects, but uh, there is there, there was a CG effect early, early, very early on in the movie, and it, I was just like, oh no, 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 because like, it looks so bad. But fortunately, the rest of the the movie recovers from this like really spotty. I mean, maybe it's possible that the effects were maybe wasn't done. I don't know, but it's <laughs> uh, it does not look very good. Um, at any rate, it, it does recover and I had a really good time with it. So Jacob's wife, keep an eye out on that. This is another one that I'm, if it hasn't been picked up yet, I'm a hundred percent sure it will in the very near future. Cause it's, it's great. Barbara Crampton, just she's so good in it. And, um, you know, Fessenden of course is it's, just to see their dynamic like her like he finds out that she's a vampire and then just like him being this like super ultra conservative uh preacher guy trying to figure out how to deal with his wife and and her her thirst for blood and i just it, it's great uh the only other thing i saw is another round directed by thomas vinterberg Uh-oh. yeah so this is mads Mikkelsen. And uh, three of his high school teacher buddies, they embark on an experiment based on a philosopher that says that man is born with an alcohol level that's just a little bit too low, 0.05, okay? So, like, just at the legal limit, you just, if you can consistently maintain a 0.05 alcohol level, everything is just incredible for you you're going to be better with your relationships better in social situations better at your job all of these things like the positives just huge long list right so they start out these four guys and they're all kind of like in different stages in their lives and they're all kind of like they've lost passion like in everything like their jobs their relationships all that stuff right so of course mickelson's he's at the center He's a, just the boring history teacher, just a fucking loser, just an absolute loser. And he has no personality whatsoever. So he gets into it, you know, and he starts to open up. He's got his classes are getting livelier, you know, all this, all this good stuff is happening. Uh, but of course, you know, you want to take that to another level, right? Because you're thinking if a 0. 0.05 is good, Maybe like a point one is even better, and of course they just like start getting shit faced. They, they Naturally, just develop, yeah, they just develop alcoholism and they get absolutely hammered, and like everything falls apart. Um, and in the beginning stages of this movie, for me, it worked. You know, it was it was pretty lighthearted. It's just four guys, kind of like middle aged dudes, that kind of lost interest in their lives and they start drinking. And, you know, they have, like, flask and bottles hidden throughout the school so they can, like, constantly drink while they're working. You know, and it kind of comes across as, like, a lighthearted comedy, right? Um, but then it kind of tries to take this, this like, this sharp turn towards the end where it tries to, like, introduce, you know, these dramatic, like, here's the consequences of these guys' actions. And it just did not work for me at all and just completely ruined the movie. And I, it's just kind of pointless and a waste of time. 
Mm. I gotta say, like this movie is just, it just crashes so hard because it like it introduces some like super serious subject matter and then just, but it only introduces it for like a little bit, just enough to like do like a tug at your heartstrings moment. And then it's right back to being like, yeah, this is fun and carefree. And you're just like, wait, what the fuck? I 100% guarantee that this will get an English language remake. Oh, definitely. I mean, this just, it seems like there's no way they wouldn't, you know? No, there's, yeah. And it's such an easy movie to do. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not a complicated, like, I'm kind of surprised that this this is a. I mean, the hook, like the hook alone, it's just like, so easy. it feels like such a Hollywood movie. Yeah, you, you, but it's not. You <laughs> like, get you get your you know your it's it's an ensemble piece too. So you know you know you get your four guys. You know, it's just like The Hangover, basically. Everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, you got the 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 one guy's like really kooky. You know, the 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 Galifianakis character. He's a real weirdo. Yeah, yeah, but I like they get into like. The one guy's like telling a student, like, hey, you should get drunk for your test, your finals to graduate. Like, you should get drunk. Like, I got this water bottle full of vodka for you. You can do it, buddy. And then another guy just like completely gets shit faced like all the time. And his life is just completely in ruins. And it just like, I'm so, I, I couldn't do it. It's just it crashes so hard. I hate it. I hate this movie. Another kind of interesting one I saw at South by Southwest was Sound of Violence by Alex Neuer. This is a this is a movie about a a girl who witnesses her father killing her mother. Now, she because of an accident, she was left deaf. So she can't hear anything. And she, one night, uh, so her, her father comes home from uh, being in, I believe, Afghanistan or Iraq during, during that time. And he comes back and he's like all fucked up. He has all kinds of crazy PS, PTSD. And um, he basically snaps one night and, and kills her mom. But because she's deaf, she doesn't hear it happening, but she feels it happening. And it leads to one of an extremely powerful scene. And this is towards the beginning of the movie too, uh, where she literally can feel her father killing her mother and, and the way that they shot, shot it and, and expressed what that's like in the movie itself. I think uh, they did a really excellent job with that. But what happens is she realizes that when she experiences violence, um, it causes something in her where she like, it's, it's almost like a, like another sense or something where it, it, it shows up. Like she has this like sort of vi- uh, visual stimulation and it, it gives her her hearing back so she can suddenly hear again. And it sparks this like lifelong study of her trying to uncover the sound of violence and what effect that has. And it goes to some pretty familiar places, but I, I think that the setup is, is quite 
interesting and i overall liked it there were some definitely definitely some some like interesting uh, ideas at play here um sure. I, I saw Zack snyder's justice league Ooh, yeah I, oh. I saw all four hours of it and i did it all, i did it all i did it all in one shot too wow yeah so i didn't have any expectations going into this uh i did not like the original theatrical cut of justice league i thought it was awful no no it did no 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 one yeah i don't think anybody liked it and um i am a comic book fan but i'm not like a rabid you know hashtag snyder cut person I, i i was never into that whole movement uh, I don't think that Zack Snyder is an amazing director or anything like that. So I was just like, you know, it was a failed attempt at a superhero movie. I moved on with my life. It was like, yeah. like that sort of thing. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't have a lot riding on this. Um, but, and in fact, I expected it to be an utter failure. Like, I, I didn't think that there was any way you could, like, polish this turd. Like, there, there was just no way that a movie that's that dog shit can be crafted into something that's like even remotely coherent and i gotta say uh he did it like Zack snyder did it he took a movie that was probably one of the worst movies that came out in that year and turned it into something that was not only watchable but uh quite enjoyable too now to be very clear it still had a lot of problems like it was not what i would call a great movie or anything like that but he did he was able to piece it together into a competent superhero movie and and the, the crazy thing is like all of the main complaints i had about the original one the the theatrical cut were addressed in this one at least all the complaints that i can remember because i realized yeah. that after i started watching this is that i literally remembered nothing about the original one except for the flash which he's in it a lot more in this one which is great uh, and uh, Henry Cavill's mustache, <laughs> CG, C, the C, yes. the, the upper lip shit, which is all gone, by the way. Like that, they they got rid of all that shit. So uh, it feels, it does, it honestly feels like a completely different movie. Like it looks drastically different. Like aesthetically, um, it, it's it's something else. Like I. I I am impressed with what they did here. I don't know what kind of precedent this sets for like turning other shitty high profile movies into something watchable. It's like what they're doing with video games, but you know, they're, they're patching movies now. I think we've talked about this before. Like when we were talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, but either way it was not nearly as bad as I thought. And I, I came away with it from it uh, being like, okay, yeah, that was, that was decent. I, the, the the worst thing is the things that he sets up in this movie, I think are really cool. Like he sets up some, he sets up the, the, the DC movie universe in such a way that it looked like it could have been really awesome. And I just don't think that it can go there now because of what happened with the theatrical cut and everything like, yeah, just the stuff that he created in this one, uh, and, and like some of the things were like left hanging, like just dangling ideas that 
unfortunately, I don't think will ever come to fruition. However, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll Warner Brothers will just be like, you know what? Fuck that original one. This is this is the new canon. This is what we're going off of now, and let's just build build from this, which I think would be a, a good idea. It, yeah. it, it, dude, some of the stuff is so ridiculous, though. I mean, like all you have to do is see some of the 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 uh, trailers for this, like the black and white trailers with like the, every everything is slow motion and like you have this like really serious music playing and stuff. They redid the whole score too, because uh, I guess um, Junkie XL was doing he he was working on the original score and then they ended up like dumping him when. Uh, Joss Whedon took over and they brought him back to do the score for this one. So like the music's way better. Everything's everything. Everything's way better. The CG is way better. Like just it, it's, it's all right. <laughs> uh, the, the only other one that I'll mention is, uh, ba- is bad trip. This, uh, uh th- this is the Netflix one. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. I'm interested in this. Cause I, I, this is like like you said when you're in like a, the headspace that I'm in. This is a movie where I'm like this. This feels like it's perfect for my headspace. Yeah, this is a movie that feels like it came out ten years ago. Like it's it's of that era, you know. It, it if you've seen Bad Grandpa or you know, the original Borat, I guess even the sequel to a certain extent, uh, or the Jackass movies. That's what you're dealing with here. So it's a it's more bad grandpa for sure. It's done in, in the exact same, same vein. It's, so this is directed yeah. by, uh, Sakurai and it, it is produced by, um, the, the jackass dude is, I think his name's Jeff Tremaine, but, um, what you have here is Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howery. They are, two best friends who decide to go on a road trip from Florida up to New York city so that Eric Andre can meet and profess his love for this, this uh, woman who he went to high school with. And then he ended up like meeting, meeting her again as an adult. And basically what the movie is, is just an excuse for them to do hidden camera pranks on people. Uh, So there's, it's the same type of shit that you would expect from any kind of like jackass or bad grandpa movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the, I, I'd say that the, the pranks are a little bit bigger in this one, but they're still, you know, there's, a, there's some gross out shit in here. Like there's a scene where, uh, Lil Rel Howery's character has diarrhea and he falls into a, uh, porta potty and like <laughs> has to get some lady to help him out. But then it tips over and he gets like piss and shit all over him. And, Mm. There, there's a lot of like gross out stuff there's a there's a rape scene in it where eric andre gets raped um so a lot of the humor is like just super low brow and it feels like dated like the humor feels dated i, I just feel like maybe maybe it's just for design for younger audiences and younger audiences still gravitate towards that style of humor but i but i feel like it just there's the current yeah. the current climate the current social climate there's just not a lot of room for that kind of humor uh anymore well, and i think too because you know i'm saying like this is the headspace that i'm in i think this movie like is perfectly going to line up with the headspace that i'm in because i'm thinking just kind of stupid pranks you know well to be clear kind of, which is fine but then to throw in and be like oh dude gets raped 
Like, I don't want that in the middle of, like, I could be like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I was going for. And now all of a sudden a guy's being raped on screen. And I'm like, okay, that, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. Why did I want that in the mix of everything else? And to be clear, like the rest of it is pretty, it's pretty tame compared to like a lot of jackass type stuff. Um, it's, it's far less mean spirited too. Uh, that that one scene that I mentioned is really the only one that I th- that I found like I was like okay that's this is just too cringe like this is this is too much and I'm, I'm I'm not read the room like this is this is not yeah. a good scene to put in a in a movie in 2021 like and it wasn't funny either like that would be it'd be one thing if it was like a funny prank but it just wasn't even yeah that that particular joke wasn't even funny but there's some other there's some other really good stuff i didn't mention that tiffany haddish is in here and she's she plays the she's the sister of uh little rail howry and she breaks out of prison in a an absolutely hilarious scene and she's basically hunting them down because they stole her car they took it because she was in prison they didn't think she'd be getting out but she did uh, it surprises me that so many people didn't recognize them and maybe, maybe, you know, there were situations where some of the pranks didn't work because they were recognized, but for the most part, like they just didn't get recognized, which was crazy to me, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, also there's a really stupid joke that they do at the end. Like I liked the idea of it, but. I thought that again, like the execution was bad. They do, they do whiteface at the end mm-hmm. and it like, it was kind of funny where they did it. They go to the Hamptons at this like really snooty, like upper class <laughs> party. And okay. it's basically like white chicks. Like they're, they're, it, they kind of look like the characters from white chicks. Yeah. Uh, but it's, Part of it is funny, but part of it is just like kind of dumb. But yeah, so I'm like kind of in the middle on on bad trip. Okay. There's also a drug trip scene that does not work at all for me. I, uh, they, they usually don't. Yep, I typically hate drug trip scenes. Although this one is like in the middle of a supermarket, and of course it's like hidden camera, so <laughs> they're like you know knocking stuff off of shelves and doing all kinds of dumb shit in the supermarket and people are like what are these people doing they're all something drugs <laughs> yeah fucking drugs they'll get you let's talk about some vod releases shall we on the 30th we have witness infection mm-hmm. witness infection that's, that's great and then on the 31st, we have Godzilla versus Kong. That's a biggie. Is that oh, what, boy. Watch out. Is that what we're going to cover next week? Are you down for some Godzilla versus Kong? I don't know. What else do we have? You like Godzilla, though. I know, but what is there to talk about? You're going to be like, there's a gorilla. The big gorilla fought the, the big lizard. Yeah. That was fun. I think there's That's pl- it. I think there's plenty to talk about there. There's <laughs> going to be a lot to unpack with Godzilla versus Kong. Don't you worry. We'll some see. some early reviews have been popping up, and uh, uh, it's good good things. I'm I'm seeing rumblings of good things, but okay. I haven't like read it like specifically read anything. This is more like headline type stuff. 
Anyway, on the second, we have this is a burial. This is not a burial. It's a resurrection. That's a virtual. Yes. Virtual uh, cinema release. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, it seems like that'd be one. Oh, my goodness. You're into I'm, I'm not. I don't think that I'm in the right headspace for, for that movie right now, but I'm more I'm more in the Godzilla headspace. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, with you. I hear you. I hear you. Although it does look very good. Uh, we also have Every Breath You Take. This is uh, some kind of drama with uh, Casey Affleck in it. That's about it. That's all I have on my list here. There's probably more. Uh, be sure to check our VOD release calendar on the site of filmpulse.net, and I'll be updating that as we go. I think there were a few things that came in throughout the week that I didn't get a chance to update on the calendar yet, so keep a lookout for that. On Blu-ray this week, we have The Ten Commandments in 4K. This is the 1956 one, if you weren't already familiar. We have Wonder Woman 84. Uh, uh, That was unfortunate. We have The Bad News Bears from 1976. Yes. Classic. I love that movie so much. Me too, man. I love it. It's such a good movie. Yeah. As a kid, I really loved The Bad News Bears. Uh, We have The Day of the Beast from 1995. That's going to be in 4K. We have Perdita Durango from 1997 in 4K. All right, what else do we have here? The Greatest Show on Earth from 1952. Isle of the Dead from 1945. That's a Boris Karloff picture. Yes. Nosferatu in Venice from 1988. I believe that's with uh, Klaus Kinski. Oh, Girl Interrupted is getting a new release. Uh, let's see. Amazons and Barbarian Queen. It's like a double pack. Okay. That's uh, that's going to be on Scream Factory. The Big Bust Out from 1972. Looks like some exploitation goodness there. A Scream in the Streets from 1973. Uh, looks like Mortal Kombat is coming out with some sort of two-film collection just in time for the new one to come out and for this two-film collection to be obsolete. Why do they they always do that? Every time there's a new movie, like a new Bond movie is coming out, like here's a box set with all the Bond movies, except the new one that's coming out in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I get it, it, but at the same time, just come on. Gotta keep that train rolling. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have the Bermuda Depths from 1978. We have another round from last year. That was the That's the Thomas Vinterberg one. I talked about it earlier. We got Jungle Trap from 2016. That's an AGFA release. Run, Coyote, Run. Jungle yes. Trap. I never even heard of this movie. I might have to look into this. It looks like it was shot in 1990. Wait, is it called Run, Coyote, Run? Or No, it's called Jungle Trap. The, the subtitle just... is like Run, Coyote, Run, I think. Because I just looked up a movie called Run, Coyote, Run, and it sounds pretty great. Uh, who's the director? Is it James... Brian? Brian? Yes. Okay. So and it's a psychic police officer working for Interpol. Hmm. And maybe it's a double yeah. pack. It might be a double pack because there's like it looks like there's a little plus sign on the uh packaging here. Yeah, this is interesting. So it says in 1990 exploitation author James Bryan pulled out his camera and made a decapitation fueled horror movie about a jungle hotel haunted by kill crazy ghosts in loincloths. Yes. And it was found 26 years later and finished. So this is a, this is another like grisly 
two situation, but this one sounds far more interesting. So I, I might actually pick this I just, up. I gotta say, I'm I'm looking at James Bryan's stuff here, and uh, I think I need to become a James Bryan completist. The, the cover on this uh, Blu-ray is really, really awesome looking too. So might have to give that a look. Uh, let's see. We also have an American Werewolf in London, some sort of steel book edition there. Looks like maybe it's a Mondo one, but I'm not sure. We've got King's Glaive, Final Fantasy 15. That's a, one of those animated Final Fantasy movies. Mm, a Pain in the Ass from 1973. A Stiletto from 1969. Rosebud from 1975. The Widow from last year. The Toll... That's about it. Oh, New York Ripper's getting a new release from 1982. This, I'm pretty sure this already came out. Blue Underground released this. It looks like maybe they're doing another run or something. Okay. But New York Ripper is pretty solid. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend that. That's a full chief film if you're not familiar. What about Criterion's? We got two from the 90s. We got Secret Secrets and Lies from Mike Lee from 1996. And we have Defending Your Life from Outer Brooks, 1991. I never saw Defending Your Life. I've, 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 I I want to see it. Well, guess what? Now is probably the perfect time to do it. Yeah. I love Albert Brooks, man. He has good times. And I've never seen Defending Your Life, so. Same here. So I'm looking on the uh, list here for, on Blu-ray.com, and it also has Persona listed, the Bergman film. Does it? Because that's not on the website. I don't know if maybe that's a re-release or something. I just I wasn't sure, but that's listed here. It might be. Let's see what Amazon says. It says the it'll be released on March 30th. So well, Criterion's saying no. Hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Not happening. Well. All right, I think that's gonna do it for this week. I thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a minute consider giving us a review on itunes that'd be extremely helpful for kevin rakestraw my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week